0: So welcome, everybody. Today, I have with me somebody I've been dying to get on the show. It's Christina Tora from the Global Steering Group of Impact Investment. Welcome, Christina.
1: Thank you, Raphael. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, I'm delighted you found the time because I know you're a very busy person. You're traveling a lot. Just quickly, what is the GSG? Uh, Let's call it that, the, the Global Steering Group for Impact Investment. What is it?
1: So the GSG is a nonprofit organisation, which is based in the UK. And our mission is really simple. We want to make sure that there's significantly more capital that goes to create social and environmental benefits. That's that's the very shortest way to possibly describe who we are.
0: You've got a pretty important role there. I think you were their first paid hire, at least. Um, and yep. I know you're doing some really epic work. Where did this start for you? A lot of people listening will want to sort of understand how you get to be in such a prestigious sort of role. So could you sort of of tell us a bit about where you come from and how you how you uh, first made it into impact
1: actually um, well when i think about it of course it's been a journey of in a way serendipity and coincidences but with very very strong willingness to create impact and that has been there from 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 the start actually so well i'm hungarian uh, but I'm also French. I grew up in France. And so after after my studies, I started in a job. Um, I thought I was not quite sure, actually, what I wanted to do. And I thought I would, I wanted to do communications. And so I started in, in a role in a actually in a french lingerie company and it was a super fun role i did many different things hiring um hiring mannequins for for shows and catwalks uh we changed the branding of uh one of the one of the uh, product lines and so we did a whole advertising campaign for TV and press. I did really a, a lot of things that were super interesting and, and great fun. Um, but I also realized something that was profoundly disturbing to me is something I didn't know because it was my first, um, real job. Um, in the fashion industry, actually you work in six month cycles. So you start, uh, for example, one collection for, Spring, uh, spring and summer, uh, you work really, really, really hard. Uh, you have a lot of pressure to deliver, um, to create sales. And six months later, you throw everything in the bin and you start again. And, and it's, oh, it, it's something that really hit me. And I was like, wow, this is. This is, well, first of all, it's really not great as a human being to be under such pressure all the time, but also it's absolutely not sustainable because Mm. everything that you've done, you just recreate it every six months. And how are we to live in a society where you just take something and you put it in the bin and you do something else instead? So I was really kind of shocked by this and I started really reorienting myself and I thought, okay, what? do I really want to do? And it was the time when, when nothing of the topics that we're talking about, apart from sustainable development, were around. So that was the only thing that vaguely existed, sustainability. And I, so I, I kind of took a few other classes and really kind of shifted my um, attention to sustainable development. And that's really where things started for me. And so I, I, I joined a really big company called Veolia. A, it's a French multinational, that is a utilities company doing water, sanitation, transportation, and energy. And so their whole business was around sustainable development and kind of providing services around sustainability. So that was a really interesting um, company to work for. Um, also huge company, 300,000 people at the time, um, a listed company with a lot of kind of relationships also with with governments, because all of the services are delivered in partnership with uh, governments and public authorities, usually. So I learned a lot. I was working in the university of the company, uh, creating training programs for leaders. And um, yeah, it was a really fascinating environment to work in. And actually, through I would say my voluntary work, I met um, I met very interesting people, and I got engaged into an NGO where we wanted to create a uh, basically a business model, uh, a social enterprise, really, uh, for a favela in Rio because they had um, a lot of really interesting projects around tourism, around. Um, uh, kind of uh, regenerative agriculture in that favela. And so we wanted to make sure that uh, through the business model, they could be sustainable and also they could buy back the land on which there were, which was really, um, actually very pressured because real estate developers wanted that piece. It was a very beautiful, it is still a very beautiful favela mm-hmm. in the heights of Rio, where you have a beautiful view on on the sea and you have access to the jungle. And so it was really important for that community to fight for the right to stay on that land. And through that, I, I met someone who created a company later on. And it, it, his story is also very interesting because he was working in uh, crisis communication, and he was working for a lot of companies that were, for example, being attacked by NGOs for yeah, wrongdoings. And so he realized, actually, hold on a second, why are we always kind of fighting after the battle and trying to make things right after it happened? How about we work with companies from the get-go to explain and to work with them how they can be better partners with the NGOs. And so he created a new business, which was all around helping companies understand why NGOs and social entrepreneurs are stakeholders, full stakeholders, like other stakeholders, and explaining to them how they can take them into account, how they can work with them, and also create partnerships with them. So it was the time of kind of where we were slowly, slowly shifting from shareholder capitalism to stakeholder mm-hmm. capitalism. It was a time where also, uh, you know, Michael Porter uh, developed this idea of shared value. Mm-hmm. And so we really kind of Implemented the the thinking in creating partnerships, like core cool business partnerships, not just you know marketing partnerships, but really core cool mm-hmm. business partnerships between large multinationals. And we worked with most of the multinationals in France yeah. and NGOs or uh, social entrepreneurs. So, for example, we created a partnership between AXA, the insurance mm-hmm. company, and Care on yeah. uh, micro insurance in uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, helping. Uh, vulnerable communities get micro-insurance so that they don't need to kind of uh, migrate to cities or elsewhere every time that there is a, a climate-related mm-hmm. uh, risk. We created a partnership, for example, between uh, Danone and uh, a social enterprise called Ciel Bleu, which is a social enterprise around um, helping uh, elderly people keep being uh, physically active. We did many very interesting projects and it was really I think a fascinating kind of step out from a multinational still working for multinationals but also kind of creating bridges mm-hmm. between very different kinds of organizations but really based on purpose and what is you know um, how can it be a win-win situation for everyone involved and and so that really kind of stick with me uh, this ability to, you know, talk to very different people at very different, you know, who, who are doing completely different things. But if you manage to get people to meet on something that is meaningful for them, you know, organization-wise, business-wise, and also as humans, then you can really achieve big things. And and that kind of was was something that is still staying with me over time. And after that role, I. I was very, it was, it was a time where a lot was happening in the UK, a lot of developments, lots of, you know, articles were talking about social entrepreneurship in the UK. And so I was, I was really curious to hear and learn a little bit more about, um, about that and just be more exposed. So I actually decided to quit my job and move to the UK.
0: Oh wow. So <laughs> did you have it was a job a big... to go to or No,
1: no, oh, I didn't. No? It, okay. But I was I was quite confident that there would be something out there. Yeah. And actually, uh you know, when you let things happen and you create the space, it yeah. they do actually happen. Right. And that's um it was at a very kind of um fortuitous time. It was in 2013. So it was okay. the time when um The UK had the G7 presidency.
0: Yeah.
1: Roughly in the summer of twenty thirteen. You know, it's something sometimes it's interesting when you look back at things and it's like, yeah, there's there's you know, the stars align somehow.
0: Synchronicity. And (laughs) yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) And so at that time, so I'm I'm going to link a little bit the GSG and also what I did at that moment. Yeah. So at that time in twenty thirteen. The UK uh, government had asked our current uh, president, Sir, Sir Ronnie, Ronald Cohen, yep. um, to run something that was called at the time the Social Impact Investment Task Force, which was a task force that gathered um, the G7 countries. I mean, it was G8. That's the time when, you know, Russia mm-hmm. get out. Anyways, G7 countries and, and actually Australia as an observer to, um, to look at what impact investment was and meant for each of those countries I'll come back to the task force maybe a bit later, but so that that was announced at that moment um, with david Cameron and right. actually, at that time there was there was a minister called Nick hard he was a minister yep. for for social justice, and he also wanted to announce something, but David Cameron had you know already announced something quite big about impact investment and so Cliff, uh, Cliff Pryor, who was at the time CEO of Unlimited. Unlimited is a really amazing organization uh, that supports social entrepreneurs in the UK from literally idea stage all the way to investment. And, And he was CEO of this organization. So he told... Nick, the minister, hey, look, I have an an idea. It's a really great idea. How about you announce it and then you finance it? Um, So it was the launch of this network called the Global Social Entrepreneurship Network as an idea. And so he then kind of put a job description out and said, "Okay, now we need to hire someone to make this idea real. (laughs) Um, And this is how I came in right okay. i I found this job description. I was really excited and and I got the job um but it was just you know an idea in paper, so I really came in to to make it real so I created a network of incubators and accelerators all around the world working with early stage social entrepreneurs and maybe just to say a little bit more about what early stage social entrepreneurs are, so we all know a social enterprise is a business that has a specific social and environmental purpose to solve a very complex problem of our world and provide a specific solution that is a market-based solution to it. Now, it's really hard to run a social enterprise, even to create it, because, well, it's already hard to create a business, but it's even hard, you have this kind of double uh, you know, uh, pressure when you have to Create social and environmental impact, and that's real passion. But you also have to have a whole business running around it, and and generate the revenues, and manage, and manage your business so that it grows. And uh, you know, if you hire employees, that you have uh, money in the bank to pay the employees on a sustainable basis. So it's it's tough. It's really yeah. tough. And so these businesses like all businesses actually, need a lot of support at the beginning, a lot of Mm. hand-holding, and also maybe sometimes tough love to say, hey, look, there's a bit more that you could do here. Um, And so there are really, really wonderful organizations all around the world that do this. That's their job, help entrepreneurs that have a social mission, social and environmental mission, to get better at what they do and grow their business. And so these organizations, these incubators and accelerators, well, in a way, they are, they are social entrepreneurs themselves. Um, it's really hard to get yeah. the business model right for these, these, um, these structures. I mean, in most of the, con- I mean, if you look at just normal business, mm-hmm. you know, set aside the impact dimension, incubators and accelerators are usually funded by governments. So, you know, that there needs to be a subsidized model. Usually to fund these incubators and accelerators, which unfortunately is still not there. Yeah. Uh, even though the businesses that they support are much, you know, better for, yeah. it, you know, the fabric of our society. And so, you know, in the four, almost five years that I, I developed and ran this, this network. Yeah. I, I was in many places, uh, to be the voice of. The early stage social entrepreneurs that mm-hmm. unfortunately are still the kind of invisible and poor parent of our impact investment ecosystem and of the incubators and, entre- and accelerators that support these businesses to really advocate for them and to say, Hey, they're really doing a great job. <laughs> Can we do more for them? Mm-hmm. Um, and connecting them, we create, we had really. Um, fantastic events all around the world in India, in South Africa, in, uh, in Ghana to mm-hmm. get them together so that in a way they, well, they share learning, but they also realize they're not alone. Yeah. They are doing, they're doing the same job. It's just that they're doing it far from each other. And it's, yeah. it's really powerful to have a network of like-minded people who you can reach out to. You can, yeah. you know, connect to. And I have to say, well, of course, there's been many, many very positive impacts of this network. Mm -hmm. But the fact that some of the people have become friends through the network and they still work together or reach out to each other to, you know, visit each other across the world. That's for me, that's for me impact. It's something that is there kind of forever. And that's, that really, really is amazing. Kind of creating those connections between people. And well, unfortunately we had to, well, I I moved out, I joined the GSG and I'll I'll come back in a second about that, but we had to close down the network. Mm -hmm. So someone else took the leadership after me Mm -hmm. and ran it um, with, with Rio, I would say, but it's, it's a very, I mean, running networks is very difficult. Yeah. Um, especially when you don't have a sustainable model behind it. Yeah. Um, all of them all of the members had um, you know membership um, and so they paid, but yep. it's whichever network you run, the business model from membership is usually a third
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: of your revenues, so you yep. have to have other revenues yep. and that was incredibly difficult to find um, at any point in time, yeah um, especially for I would say a cause that unfortunately, is still, you know, not very fundable at the moment. Mm -hmm. Investors weren't businesses that are ready to be invested in. Yeah. And they don't really care about what happens before. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Uh yeah, you see a lot of uh, early stage investors and the first thing they're like is show us show us your traction and uh, <laughs> they're like, "Well, hold on, aren't you supposed to be investing at hilariously early stages?" So, it's not always easy to get your customers before you've got any any money. Uh yes. you need you need some people, some uh some grants or some angels or whatever to get you off the ground because you're quite right. Yes. It's a really lonely journey. And I think those lifetime relationships that you help to foster uh, will continue to have a lot of meaning. It's a really special thing. I do, I notice that people who are building with purpose, they seem to build really strong connections. And I, uh, and it, it's kind of boundaryless in a way, because if you have a shared, um, Value and shared goal of doing something that brings about social change or environmental, you know, um, results. I think that that people really kind of gel um, internationally. Is that what you witnessed yourself? Or um, yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But you know, one of the other things is that it, it's e- in a way it's easy easier to create yeah. connections between people that you know have something in common. Yeah, but you also realize and that's and that's really what kind of gives me energy in the job to, in in my job and in my role today is you can create connections that are lasting connections between people who in, you know, on paper have nothing in common.
0: Yeah. And that's
1: really and that's really where change happens, right? When, yeah. when you bring people who are very different, you know, the CEO of a large commercial bank, mm-hmm. um, the leader of a small civil society uh, organization, the venture capital, yeah. early stage impact investor, and br- by bringing those people together who maybe have never met, have never work together and creating something where they actually create something together that's for me that's transformation mm-hmm. because in a way no matter the results and yes of course the results count and but but enabling people from across sectors across ecosystems across you know experiences and and backgrounds to work together on something that is meaningful that is the most important thing because that's how we create system change because they will be able to solve the problems because they have the different points of views in the room Mm -hmm. um that are needed to create the solutions for for tomorrow And they will have those relationships no matter what happens. And we live in such an uncertain world that what is most important is the connection between the people and the organizations. The results and the the way that you deliver things may change or uh, the context may change and therefore you need to adapt. But if you create the structures where people can have those conversations and can create things together, then you are really... Recreating a new fabric for, for the society of tomorrow. And that's, I mean, I've, I've jumped like, you know, to today, but yeah. that, that is what I'm doing today. And, and that's for me, the most important part of system change is, and I know. <sighs> So many people are like, okay, but what have you achieved? What are the results? Yeah. How many policies have been changed? How many governments have implemented those policies? How much money has flown? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, count the money. Um, how many financial instruments have you created? How many funds? Yes, great. All of that is great. And that's how we try to tell the story of what we're doing. But, and, and for me, that's the fundamental belief, the process of getting there. Is almost as important in my view, actually much more important than the result. Yeah. Uh, because, because that's where, you know, the, these connections, this, yeah, it's, it's the gel. We recreate the gel and the trust that are lacking in our societies so that we can create better solutions with new ways tomorrow. And we empower people all around the world. So my portfolio is about 70 countries. And I can tell you, uh, there, are, there are amazing things, amazing people, amazing collaborations happening today yeah. in those 70 countries in that direction.
0: I want to hear more about them. Uh, so uh, I, I'm a bit confused at how... Um, how all this works, though. So let's take GSG. Um, you're out there speaking. You've got 36 members, I think. You've got you know 70 that you're working with, hoping to bring in more fully. And they have national advisory boards, right? They they and you guys are interfacing with them. I mean, how how does this actually work? Like uh, you're not yeah. you're not 30,000 people. Uh, so <laughs> how how can you bring like I see systems change stuff all the time. And I feel like everybody wants to move the system forward. Like there's lots of people with good intentions, but we're all kind of in the system and we're just little cogs really in this big system. And so um, how can you start to shift the direction of an oil tanker that, you know, takes uh, yep. two years to move? And and what are these boards and, and how does it all work to, to someone of yep. uh, my humble intelligence?
1: No, no, absolutely. And well... We're, we're also humble. We're only 20 people, 20 yeah. so people at and, and the GSG. So, you know, we, we have a theory of change. We, we have the theory of how we want to change things. Yeah. And then, you know, let's see what happens. And, and you know, we, we, can, we can reconnect in five years time and see what we, what we have achieved. But yeah. we, we, see it, we, we see it's working. So maybe just kind of picking back from another thread. Yeah. Um, so 2013, uh, the G7, so the UK presidency of the G7, asked uh, Ronnie, um, Sir Ronald Cohen, our, our president, to run the status force. So what happened? The G7 countries, each one of them created... What today we call these national advisory boards, or at least the embryo of of, of what they are. Each of the countries brought together people from government, uh, investors, uh, practitioners of impact, and a few other experts to really look at what impact investment is and means for each of their countries.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they worked really hard, <laughs> really, really hard for a whole year, um, yeah. I would say, in, in, in their country groups, but also across on a number of other topics. And after one year, they made, um, you know, a few reports and each country had their own recommendations around, okay, what, what does impact investment mean in Germany versus what mm-hmm. does impact investment mean in the US or France? And. And they had these recommendations and they were like, well, you know, actually, okay, this was a task force, but we need this to continue. We want to implement the recommendations. No one else will know better than us how to implement these recommendations. And this is how we started as an organization. We, we, we started because we, we were there to initially help you know, coordinate the work of these seven countries plus Australia and help them, you know, learn from each other and, and, you know, kind of build on each other's ideas and so on. But very fast, um, you know, we went from eight countries to 16. And so we realized, okay, hold on a second, we probably need something that is a bit more structured. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so we created the GSG as a UK charity. Um, it was incorporated in 2017. So my role, well, is I would say similar to the beginnings. My role is two things is one is help new countries create these national advisory boards. Okay. Um, so, so a lot of the work is around what well, I would say two things, strategy and governance. Okay. Um, so strategy around, I would say it's macroeconomic strategy. So you look at your country and you look at the ecosystem and what you would like the impact ecosystem to look like. Mm -hmm. How do you transform? Basically, the most important question is, how do you transform your country into an impact economy? That's it. So that's the question that you have to address with as many people as possible from your ecosystem.
0: And of course, Um, impact can mean just a lot of things, right? So when we talk about impact, we're often linking it back to an SDG and there's, you know, 17 SDGs. There's life on land and there's life on water. There's climate action. There's even, you know, SDG 8, which is, uh, you know, more growth. So like, uh, do they define what (laughs) the impact areas are most important for their national agenda?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So maybe I will will just, Add also one kind of clarification, so when we say impact economy, and actually, I think that we're the organization that coined the term a, a while back. impact economy is an economy where impact mm-hmm. is a deliberate decision driver in all decisions, business decisions, investment decisions, policy decisions, and also consumption decisions. okay, so that's for us the destination, right okay where Every, every decision is considering the positive impact that it can create. Now, yes, of course, I mean, impact priorities may be uh, in, let's say, um, Ghana are mm-hmm. probably very different from the impact priorities in France. Um, you know, youth unemployment is absolutely major. In yeah. a lot of uh, sub-Saharan countries, uh, climate change is really affecting how, you know, rural areas are able to um, survive slash thrive. Numerous issues, for example, around education or education for girls specifically, for example. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you look at France, the topics are really different. It's more about, you know, transitioning out of fossil fuels and ensuring that, um, you know, uh, people are able to have training and reskilling programs that make, um, you know, them more adapted to the kind of employment needs uh, that exist so there there are very different considerations however the process to get there is the same and what's beautiful about our our method is that it works everywhere so what we bring mm-hmm. is the method is the is the approach but then it's for the local ecosystem the local people the local organizations to work together and define what's you know, what what they want to do for their country. So, of course, we have a toolbox. So we have a toolbox of policies. We have a toolbox of financial innovations and financial instruments that they can apply to their country. And uh, we can say, okay, we know that these work because, you know, I don't know, it has already been applied by uh, Brazil or it has already been done in South Korea. And also, if you want to learn more about how South Korea did it, Hey, this is the connection to um, Cho, who yeah. you know was yeah. the kind of uh, leader driving this change in South Korea. So we help them really think through what they need and how they need it. What are the barriers, yeah. the challenges in their country, the opportunities, and how they want to go forward with it. But also, and that's the second part of my role, is to enable countries to learn from each other to collaborate because we are not going to wait, you know, ten years to wait that the policy is implemented, that we have had a proper, you know, evaluation of how the policy has worked or not. (laughs) And then, you know, use a 100 page report to then share it with the world and no one's going to read it. Yeah, we it's, you know, it's action driven, but it's kind of also real time learning. So making sure that people share what they're learning kind of of, of the records. Yeah. yeah. Um, with, with, e- with each other in real time so that they can really accelerate the implementation of, of these, these tools everywhere.
0: It's kind of changed my understanding as well because um, it feels a lot like what an accelerator does. I mean, if you see a startup accelerator, right, it goes, it brings in different cohorts and it basically takes them through Lean Canvas, uh, how to create the business model, and then you know different resources, value proposition design, MVP, and all these kind of other things, right? It's kind of you're doing that, uh, but with na- national advisory boards to have shared frameworks or at least you know le- shared learnings, resources, etc., to kind of get everybody up to a level
1: thanks rafael i mean you've just provided a new dimension to how <laughs> oh, i look at my work yeah
0: <laughs> i mean it's great we are just doing it with countries instead of startups
1: exactly yes so yes, is there some absolutely. sort
0: of uh kingsman barbershop that you walk into on savile row it takes you down and then there's this <laughs> network of uh international uh, people people of mystery who are working on actually making impact work it seems uh, it seems much more exciting than the frustrating news that we watch when we see WEF and COP and other things, right? Where we're just like, oh, big yeah. multinationals get in a room, they talk about stuff, and then nothing really changes. But it sounds like there's things happening. Um but why don't they why don't they make them more public, the national advisories?
1: So I think you touch on on a on a challenge that we have as an organization. But actually that is probably shared by a lot of people working in the impact space. We are we are all very passionate about getting things done and, yeah. and see and seeing things happen and change and progress. We unfortunately therefore rarely stop and celebrate.
0: <laughs> okay. Um
1: right. and and we're yeah, we are a bit shy, you know, to talk yeah. about things because it's not fully fledged or it's yeah. It's not exactly where we want it to be. And yeah, and and to be honest, we need more help just talking about it and talking about Mm -hmm. the good news. And and sometimes also, I would say journalists are interested in things that would make headlines. Mm -hmm. People working together to change how their economy works is not necessarily a headline, um, unfortunately, today. And so... Yeah, we we need to change that. We definitely need need to change that and get better at talking about it. Um, but thankfully, people like yourself are out there helping us do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I can't take any credit, that's for sure. But yeah, I think it would be good to kind of see. Like, I think everybody wants to rally around just uh, more good news. Um, there's there's enough doom and gloom, and and I don't know. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Obviously, we've seen things like. Um, I don't know, ESG in America with like Larry Fink and you know when he did his a uh, couple of years ago his uh, letter to uh to his investors etc talking about oh the next thousand unicorns are going to be in climate and then linkedin kind of blew up everyone talking about hey you know we're going full on into climate tech and then a couple of years later there's all this political you know toing and froing that's going on around you know even climate change and and uh, and uh, the term esg is so politicized do you feel that impact could be the next target like the word impact is it um because i feel there's already the challenge of trying to disassociate it with philanthropy right like there's philanthropy is important and philanthropic impact is really important actually at seeding the kind of change that we want to have but um it's not necessarily charity. It's just measuring kind of and, and investing in areas where you want to see change in the world beyond the balance sheet so but do you think that the word impact are you seeing signs of that being potentially politicized or and is that the kind of media angle really does it always become a sort of a big pol- political kind of uh, way to get elected or, um, or to create stir-up emotions. I think politicians like to do that. We saw that with Brexit. We've seen it with Trump and others, right?
1: Wow. <laughs> There's so many layers to your question. <laughs> well, I really hope not. Mm-hmm. Um, my... I mean, we're watching very carefully what's happening in the US because oftentimes what happens in the US has an implication for the rest of the world. Whether we like it or not. Well, we um, like
0: the Re- Inflation Reduction uh, Act. I imagine that's been quite useful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's useful, but also, I mean, in a geopolitical standpoint, um, it is also having posi- positive and negative uh, consequences. Yeah. And and one of the negative consequences is that. Um, a lot of climate finance mm. is being redirected towards being invested in the US okay. and uh, you know i mean just uh, this is like a shortcut but yeah. roughly um because there's so many incentives uh, through that that act and you know other other new kind of programs that the US has launched but the challenges and that's one, one of the things that i'm most passionate and focused about and also worried about is how do we get more money to be invested in the SDGs in emerging markets. Mm -hmm. Um, The problem is, at the moment, not only is there not enough money in in emerging markets overall, uh, only 20% of assets are being managed in emerging markets, but also global flows of capital are flowing out of emerging markets because of... Inflation, because of, uh, debt distress, because of many, many risks that investors are seeing, uh, or opportunities that they are seeing mm-hmm. in the US, for example. Yeah. And so, so for me, it's, you know, and that's, that's also kind of the, the privilege, um, and also the responsibility that we have, um, as, as the GSG, I see what's happening in 70 countries and I know in a way the impact, um, that, potentially new regulations like um DEUSFDR may yeah. have on impact businesses in Indonesia right, right? Yeah. because because impact investors are you know not wanting to invest in businesses where they have to report scope 1 2 and 3 of the emissions that they have yeah. um, Indonesia being a coal powered <laughs> power, um, you know, uh, Nation,
0: economy. Yeah,
1: And so, so I think that one of the things that is really, really important in all of the things that we do, be it he, us at the GSG or other organizations, is to ensure that we take into account the possible negative, you know, consequences of these decisions, and we try to mitigate them. So how do we ensure that Potentially really positive regulations in the Europe are not going to create another, you know, bureaucratic layer and burden yeah. for small businesses that are part of global value chain and suddenly exclude those businesses and therefore have very negative impact on economies that. Yeah are already having a hard time being part of the the you know the global value chains yeah. um, and what does it mean for communities in those countries and um so, so I think that that's um well you've taken me to a very way far away from <laughs> your question but, um coming back coming back to it i think I think it's all like everything we do ever is all about stories and te- yeah. and telling the right stories. I hope that you know, over time, and especially, I mean, I see the fact that everyone is talking about ESG actually as an opportunity. It's a huge opportunity. Yeah. Um, even taking the backlash in the US, impact is a solution. Because if people don't like ESG, impact is a great solution. Yeah,
0: right? yeah, true. So it's,
1: it's, it's, you know, you, you kind of go out of that debate and you propose a new um, approach yeah. to looking at at something. And you know independently of 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 the the u s political situation um maybe maybe just putting things in a more um i would say neutral approach, we look at it as a continuum, so yep. it's the continuum of capital right and I would say on the left hand side, you have traditional capital that doesn't care, then you have what you know we would call responsible or sustainable finance mm-hmm. in the middle then you have impact finance and then on the very i would say far end far right end you have philanthropy but if you look at the buckets and if you look at i mean it's a continuum and and yeah and what we want is first of all more money that goes from doesn't care to cares yeah. at least a little bit about key uh, factors yeah and then the big part or the increasingly big part of money that is in the middle that is, you know, ESG, sustainable, responsible, you know, whatever, that yeah. that starts to do more and more and better and better, all the way to at least allocating more and more capital towards impact in the way that we look at it. Yeah. So it doesn't care where well, we know what that looks like. It's just, yeah. you know, profit-oriented. Um, and that's about... Um, you know, it's very difficult to get proper, proper numbers about the total assets on the management, basically the total amount of money out there. But it's roughly, you know, the total amount of money is roughly around, uh, 140 trillion, something around that, right? Yeah. The bucket that is sustainable and responsible. It's roughly, again, depends on which numbers you look at, but it's roughly forty trillion, with an increasing amount of money being committed to, not yet in that bucket, but committed to, like roughly eighty trillion. So even if you look at forty trillion, it's an increasing amount of of total capital. So roughly, you know, one fourth of global capital is already looking at ESG factors. So it's not something that you can ignore anymore and that's why and that's why more more and more people are are looking at it and taking into account now but there's different strategies here right like there is what we call responsible investment which is very basic and to be honest it's nowadays considered as just risk management strategies where you exclude some investments from your portfolio. For example, you exclude, I don't know, tobacco or things like yeah. that, uh, but you don't do much more. And then you have people who start looking at ESG seriously and who want to be you know, investing in kind of best-in-class ESG products. Now, that's great, um, but technically today you can be a very good ESG candidate and be an oil or mining company. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, It's true. You can maximize all of your kind of impacts on the environment. You can mitigate all of your, you know, how much water you use. Uh, You can be great with your employees, care a lot about them, pay them lots of money, make them really happy with trainings and so on. And you can, you know, apply all sorts of good governance policies. Still, you have yeah. a huge negative impact on the world, yeah. and those companies today are part of the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. Mm-hmm. The um, you know all of the sustainability yep. indexes out there, the FTSE for, the FTSE for Good. They're yep. part of sustainable ETFs. Yeah. So. There's still a lot of work to do to ensure that we progress on this conversation about what does sustainability mean? What is material in that conversation? And then you have impact. And so that's really where we focus because we want to bring all of those people along on the journey to show them that impact is about actually three things. One is that you're intentional about it. You want to create positive social and environmental impact. And that's something that you build in your strategy and you put everything in place in all of your activities to create that. The second thing is that you will measure it. So it's not just something that you say, you will measure whether or not you are creating the impact that you wanted, positive or negative action. And then the third thing, and that's, you know, kind of more of a, I would say a conceptual thing is, no, sorry, there's, there's the contribution. So how much have you contributed? to the impact being created. So if you're not there, will that impact being be created or not? Yeah. And then the the fourth thing is that, and that's the difference, right, between an oil company and an impact business. An impact business is going to solve a problem that is being created by, you know, elsewhere, that is going to provide a solution to a problem that exists in society. Sorry, but an oil company... No, it's not their job to create a solution. They're creating yeah. the problem, right? <laughs> and and that's and that's where where we 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 still have this, you know, we still need to create the narratives that explain this to people so that everyone understands that impact is the destination. Yeah. Yes, with, within the broader sustainability conversation, but we really need much more attention and political attention also. And you were asking, you know, about governments. Yes, I hope and I wish with all my heart that governments and political parties more and more realize what a fantastic opportunity impact is for them. Because it doesn't matter if you are from the left wing, from the right wing, you can, I mean, you may, you know, diverge on different tools or approaches, and you might want to do one or the other more. But it's, it's completely politically neutral. The impact is there as a destination for everyone. It doesn't matter from you know, which party you are. And so this Correct. is something that I hope will change.
0: Who wouldn't vote for environmental and social progress and a bit of a fairer wor- a world and a, a greener world? Um, I know I would vote for that. Uh, tomorrow but I know I could talk about this for a, at least another hour um, but we don't have the time what um, there's first of all there's a load a ton of really good interesting resources on GSG's website um, they don't um, obviously have the cause artist media team behind them so uh, they're not going to push it that hard you're going to have to go there and find it yourselves guys uh, but it's actually some really interesting articles you don't have to be a national advisory board to find some of the stuff very interesting um, and if you want to engage let's say you're an impact investor or fund or like someone who's listening to this show how how best to engage with gsg um you've got an event coming up i believe
1: yes we have our our summit our global summit is going to be in malaga in spain in october october 2nd and 3rd it's gonna gather about i'd say a thousand people from all around the world and also from across so investors people who are from governments um people who are building the ecosystems, um, evaluators of impact, uh, impact businesses, and many other people who are really interesting. So it's the opportunity to hear from them, connect with them, network with them.
0: And you're extremely active on uh, LinkedIn with really interesting stuff as well. So I'd recommend people say uh, at least follow you uh, follow you there christina it's been an absolute joy thank you for taking us through um everything and uh really appreciate your work and i'm excited to see this shift to the right um and and see what uh what you can do to bring the other uh, 34 countries into the fold as soon as possible with um you know, aligned on, on impact. And, and I really think it's going to bring lots more investors into the scene and um, more, more mainstream ca- capital as well into areas that we all really want to see finance. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much, Raphael, for the opportunity. It was a really great pleasure to have this conversation with you today.